Welcome one and all to Last Stop Penn Station podcast featuring Carrie Silken and Ian Riccoboni. They dive deep into Carrie's wealth of stories and no subject is off limits. From the world of wrestling to his ticket agency, growing up in New Jersey, drug-fueled underground days, hustling in the French Quarter of New Orleans, and endless days and nights in New York City, every story is worth telling. Well, welcome everyone to another exciting edition of Last Stop Penn Station. Ian Riccoboni, Carrie Silken, AJ from Basant Creative and Web Design, manning the soundboard. Carrie, 19 years, 19th anniversary this past Friday. What an event it was. It was wonderful. It was uh, the best part about it. Best part about it is that what had happened. Yeah, right. The second best part about it for me was, uh, well, there's a lot of good things, but what I was going to say was, uh, I, I I had to duct tape Ian's mouth so that I wouldn't know any results. You know, I speak to Jay Lethal fairly, you know, regularly. I talk to Bobby Cruz. I talk to um, Todd Sinclair. And I didn't did not want to know any results. And I was talking to Bobby Cruz the night of the uh, show. Ah. And it was like about six o'clock. We were talking about the upcoming Zoom and all this stuff. And I was asking him a couple of questions and these questions would have led him to giving away, ah. uh, spoilers. Right. But, uh, in the end, it was just such a good show. Um, we could go match for match, but we don't need to. Uh, it was, you know, the pro wrestling the way I love it. Mm-hmm. Ring of honor is alive and well, uh, what did you think? I loved it. And I really appreciate the fans who turned out to the Zoom. That's always mm-hmm. fun. We did a one hour watch long hour one. Uh, and I want to call something out. We, Death Before Dishonor 2019 was the first time we ever did the hour one. And it's been about 18 months. In that time, we've only got 18,000 viewers on that video on YouTube. We surpassed 30,000 by the within 24 hours. Uh, so people are interested. They're watching Ring of Honor. They're talking about it. We're trending throughout the night. It's always a good feeling to know that that kind of a card got that kind of response because uh, we were hearing from everybody. Ron Funches, you know, super, you know, funny comedian. Our friend Taylor Williamson, another super funny comedian, was watching along. Um, you know, we heard from a lot of other folks. CM Punk chimed in. Uh, loved Danhausen. Who doesn't love Danhausen? But he he gave permission to use the move, and then Kenta said, "No, I give him permission. You can." And that use wasn't move. even the main show. That was no. That was our one. It was amazing. And uh, you know, we were talking, Carrie. I thought my MVP for the night was Tracy Williams wrestling two matches against opponents that he wasn't prepared to face. But you had, a, I think, an even better pick. Well, before we are on the air, I mentioned to Ian that. I don't know if MVP is the right way to put it, or maybe rookie of the year. But if you sort of combine the two, Mm -hmm. Dak Draper. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty much a ring of honor in, you know, he's certainly not a rookie in pro wrestling, but in ring of honor terms, he's starting out. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's certainly not a veteran. And uh, man, was he good. He was great. And, I was talking to somebody online about how 
They said, do you think, you know, our COO Joe Koff said we have about 400 to 500,000 viewers each week. And somebody said, well, that was the number quoted a couple of years ago in 2015. And I said, yeah, but at that time, all the guys on the roster had five, six years, seven years of television equity. We'd been building those guys in 2015 for five, six, seven years. So if we're turning around and we're featuring Dak Draper, we're featuring Jonathan Gresham, we're featuring these stars. Tracy Williams. Tracy Williams, guys that we haven't seen on TV for four, five, six years. We're seeing them for year one, year two, year three. I think we're doing something well if we're getting the same mileage out of stars that are really coming into their own. And as an added caveat to something that I would, uh, eh, it was a little, uh, I would always say, yeah, we should see some more legends. Well, yeah. they slapped me in the face with homicide, <laughs> returning to Ring of Honor. Amazing. You know, no, but and I'm sure I, I'm sure you would have wanted to tell me that just I, to shut me up because I'm always saying to Ian, <laughs> you know, we should bring back some of these uh, old some guys. It's hard. A lot of them were, are with other companies, or if they're not, uh, the one they're, that they're retired or this or that. But that was a good one. That was a good one, and I had to bite my lip so hard because Matt Taven and myself, uh, we do the COVID protocol. And one of the things is they test you about a week and a half before so that they make sure you're not coming to the bubble with COVID. And uh, sure enough, I see somebody log into the video screen because you're on a a group video chat with a physician or an RN or an NP. And on my thing, it said D, D E E. (laughs) And I'm looking at him, I'm looking at him. And I'm like, no, that can't be, (laughs) That, that can't be. And sure enough, it was homicide. And, uh, what a return and nice, very nice tribute too on the shirt that, you know, shows, yes. shows you the, the ties and the appreciation he has for Ring of Honor. Yeah. Um, I got to know him pretty well. Was I best friends with him? Not really, but we, we, we got to understand each other uh, during Carrie's time at Ring of Honor. He was such an important, am I right? Two-time champion? Just once, once but w- two of the biggest Two of the biggest crowd explosions that have ever happened in Ring of Honor history. Well, one of them was the night that Nigel and you know, I just went over this with Mike G in the soon-to-be-released memoirs. Yeah, uh, maybe in 2028. Great, <laughs> we're, we're going. We're getting closer. But though. we did the. Two, we're going over 2009, and the most important event in 2009 for me was. Uh, you know, the night that Brian and Nigel were leaving. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we ever did a last stop Penn Station about that. We haven't, that. no. And uh, not only did we get Jim Cornette, mm-hmm. to, who was freshly fired from TNA, mm-hmm. and I was I had a good rapport with him to come to New York, but also, I think it was, I, I don't know whose idea it was, but... It, it, Homicide was available, mm-hmm. and he'd been about he'd been about a year. He might have been in TNA too for he a brief period of time. Yeah. Or, uh, but he was not in Ring of Honor. Is the point? Mm-hmm. And he's a New York guy, right? So, what other pop were you talking about? Final battle when he wins the title. Oh yeah, from uh, from Brian, and then the season, the Cage of Death. Oh God! Uh, when everybody's thinking, okay, it's five on four. You know, Ring of Honor's exhausted all their guys, and Cornette or JJ Dillon, Cornette send him in, and he goes nuts, and he takes out every CZW wrestler. You know, when Jim's talking about this garbage, not liking the garbage <laughs> wrestling, 
Huh? He wasn't bitching about that. That's that told a hell of a story, though. Yeah. I mean, that was months and months of you didn't see that every night. And I think even Jim will say, right, there's an exception. If you see it every night, it's garbage. If you save it for something different and special and you come back to it once every couple of years, I, I think I think he'd say it's it's different. But, man, I got to call it. I got to call his finishing move. <laughs> and, uh, man, that was something I didn't think I'd see. And, you know, that. I think that's... Uh, I was surprised just with uh, Rocky Romero being there. Right. Yeah. If, you know, I'll, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. And there's there's people you know, that are big Ring of Honor fans that listen. Um, Ring of Honor New Japan, the same relationship we've always had. We, we love their talent. They love ours. And it's great to have Rocky on board for commentary. And you explained to me why it was... Uh, not that he's not talented, but I just thought it was odd having Chris Dickinson. But if I was more astute with my New Japan yeah, uh, got- current knowledge, I would have said, oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, we got to get you up to speed on New Japan Strong because we see Ring of Honor stars almost every week now in New Japan Strong, like Brody King, Bateman, Ray Oris, now Chris Dickinson. And what's cool about Chris Dickinson, I didn't know this until I was talking to him. He used to go to the Ring of Honor shows when he was 14, 15, 16 mm-hmm. years old. I shook his hand and he told got, me once. And he's got all the ticket stubs. So he kept all of them. And the guy he looked up to was Homicide. Do you know who helped train him? Homicide. Homicide. <laughs> so now uh, he's, he's, it was like me calling matches with Kevin Kelly, right? You're in, you're in there with somebody you've seen on TV who you respect. You, you know, you want to emulate them a little bit. You want to take a little bit of, and, and learn and do what they're doing. And, uh, that's a hell of a story. And we get to explain that on Ring of Honor television. People are saying, oh, this looks like a mismatched group. What's going on? Oh, Tony Deppin's not violent. The hell he's not. <laughs> the other couple weeks ago, his back was all bloodied and glass in it. And uh, you just haven't seen that in Ring of Honor yet from Tony Deppin. And then, oh, why is Chris Dickinson with Homicide? Well, we get to tell that story coming up on Ring of Honor. It's really... Don't spoil anything. It's man. really exciting. And uh, it took me, took me uh, a lot to not send you a text and say, uh, holy crap, D's back. <laughs> Homicide's back. <laughs> Well, I look forward to seeing him in person. Absolutely. I, just, you know, he was funny. He was at a ring of. Do you remember this? Maybe two years ago. He and Xavier. He was in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Xavier came to to final battle. He was 18. in Philadelphia. Okay. He was very quiet. Yeah. He was in the back, and I'm like, "What's up, man?" And and he was very demure. Yeah. The opposite of you know, he goes, "I'm just looking to get some work," you know, and just mm-hmm. I go, "Well." He goes, I don't want to bother anybody, yeah. you know, and uh, I just I just let him be. I'm not going to be arguing with Homicide. <laughs> well, there was a couple times be- during the pandemic when I know that we had him penciled in for some things. So all things kind of happened for a reason. And, and I'm glad that it eventually came to came to be. So, well, it's a good thing that Steve Carino is not <laughs> around Ring of Honor anymore. Those two guys, really, they had a thing, man. Ah, even more than him and Colt, and he tried to pour the Drano down Colt's. Yes, <laughs> Colt's oh it my was, goodness, it was pretty. They they had some bad blood, but uh, the 19th anniversary was fabulous. Uh, it was fun doing the Zoom intro mm-hmm. and saying goodnight to the fans with the. Uh, uh, with, your, with you and, and Kevin Eck. And uh, of course, Mandy had to chime in. Yeah. You know, because uh, the, the the Ring of Honor women's division is is uh, is a tournament coming It's back. The tournament's coming this summer. And uh, I'll let you in. I know some of the hardcore Ring of Honor fans. Uh, we have some competitors selected. 
and those will be announced soon. And there may even be some prelim matches, some precursors to the tournament that are uh, are going to be shown leading up to the tournament. I'll just leave it there. I don't okay. want to give away too much, but uh, there's some exciting developments on the women's division front. Uh, Maria Canales is heavily involved, and Maria said, if, if we're not going to launch this with a bunch of matches, and if we're not going to launch it with the talent, we don't want to do it, and we're doing it right. And so there's going to be a lot of matches and content to learn who these 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 female competitors are, just as much attention you know, given to that division as, as it should be. Good. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Um, what else we got? Well, and don't forget, every Monday night is the uh, watch party from the Ring of Honor TV from the weekend. Yeah. Tonight we saw the gauntlet match. A gauntlet, yeah. Will Ferrara, Big Willie yeah. returning. <laughs> Looking shredded. <laughs> he went from Little Willie to Big Willie. <laughs> shredded Ed out there. Yeah. <laughs> and then Wheeler Yuta. Uh, Fred Yeh, I got the win, but uh, Cheeseburger de- de- debuting a new submission, La Nuda de, de la Muerte. <laughs> Could you translate that, please? Uh, I think it's I think it's uh, the death lock, I think. Okay. I, but it's kind of that weird, uh, he traps the arms, the legs. It was what he submitted, I think, Eric Martin with. Okay. And uh, Eric Martin, great showing. Dante, great showing. A lot, of, a lot of promise with the dojo wrestlers, and it's always great to see them. And the opening bout, I forget already, Beer City Bruiser. And Mike Bennett. Yeah, Bruiser tried to stab him with a beer bottle. Terrible. Yeah, it's horrible. What are you, jeez. I mean, that would have got, that would have got the Crusher banned from, uh, from Milwaukee. out of Milwaukee. Yeah. <laughs> Who's he getting his cues from? That's what I want to know. Well, we'll be back at you next Monday with another watch party. And Dan Housen, Brian Johnson, three. The big, good. the big, the big. Blow off main event. That's coming next week. Well, maybe uh, Dan Hazard could pick me up via blimp. There you go. <laughs> I don't have to drive. <laughs> um, you know, we 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 trot along. That's not the right word. We we romp down the road with the fifty five and five. Yeah, yeah. I think we're up to seventy six. We're gonna be seventy six starts next Monday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 75 period premieres tonight. And we thank Conrad Thompson with from uh, Ad Free Shows, as well as the poster of the week. We've been having some fun with that. Yeah. Um, pulling out some good ones. Yeah, so a lot of, uh, it's a lot of Florida. And we've had some San Francisco from Roy Shire. And uh, we've had some benefits <laughs> lately. A lot of benefits. <laughs> a lot of benefits. Who knew there's so much fundraising going on in wrestling? I got some more. I just got to dig them out <laughs> as well as some old capital ones. But uh, yeah, I like sharing that with everybody. Um, what? A, oh, yeah. You know what? We've been talking about these various documentaries and TV shows that have caught my eye. Uh, maybe you have something that you'd like to tell us about. But uh, AJ and myself have been watching this uh, Aretha Franklin documentary which was on of all things the national geographic oh. that's a bad you just wouldn't expect it sure this looked more like a showtime production wow or an hbo product yes yes hmm. or an hbo production hmm. we mentioned i think last week the billy holiday one okay and uh this is a 10 part it's called genius mm-hmm. and uh one of them is about there's there's a 10 parts on picasso and there's a big star who plays Picasso. I, our friend Chris mentioned it. I forget who it is. But the Aretha Franklin's really good. I think we're up to part seven. She had a, 
lot of stuff I didn't know about. She was involved with uh, um, during the uh, the time of the Black Panthers and the Symbionese Liberation Army. You know, oh. her father was her father was a preacher, mm-hmm. and she was introduced to you know she was uh, civic minded, mm-hmm. not necessarily always with the right people, right? But uh, she was a tough businesswoman, mm-hmm. and. Um, now I'm going to forget the name. Not Clive Davis. Uh, Jerry Weintraub. I got that right? The pr- Jerry Wexler. Thank okay. you, AJ. Was the, the, was the producer, you mm-hmm. know, I'm from Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Did a million groups. Yeah. And she wanted to have her name, you know, she, she felt like she should get equal billing they, there's a great one where they bring her to, you know, the famous Muscle Shoals. Right. The recording studio. Right. Yeah. And there's all these, you know, 20-something, they were all knockout musicians, you know, these session guys, you know, mm-hmm. these 20-year-old white hippies. <laughs> and she's like looking around like this. <laughs> and she starts playing stuff. And these guys, you know, the drummer's coming in, the bass player's coming in, She's like, stop, stop, stop. You know, it just, it's very interesting. And uh, if you get a chance... Uh, this we haven't finished it yet, but this uh, gives it gives me a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. There you go. <laughs> uh, it's funny they don't even cover the respect song during the documentary. AJ was complaining, but uh, <laughs> she uh, most of her songs were uh, covers. Yeah, and that's that's we were talking about that with like uh, twenty four hours from Tulsa. There's mm-hmm. about a million people that have done that. There's a million people that have done. Uh, I, I think of the Hollies. Some of the great Holly songs are uh, were done by other people. Don't forget the monkeys. The monkey. Oh yeah, the monkeys. I mean, they and then they end up writing their own songs, which is an interesting twist. But uh, the birds, the birds mm-hmm. were the, the I the birds do Bob Dylan better than Bob Dylan, in my opinion. I like the birds sound a little bit more than Bob Dylan. Well, the only miscue of uh, more than one miscue, but was. Uh, Jerry Wexler had the Son of a Preacher Man song. Ah. Which... Dusty Springfield. Yeah. She didn't want to do it, Aretha. Uh, wow. Thought it was disrespectful or uh, she wasn't... There's, 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 a lot, there's a lot in there. Yeah. But uh, very interesting. She was... What a career she had. Right. You know, Amazing. Multi-Grammy. Uh, really, really good... Um, did so WrestleMania tie it back to wrestling? WrestleMania, right. WrestleMania three and twenty three, I believe. They must have paid a lot for her. Oh God, yeah, yeah. That was well, that was uh, the WWF's big here we are moment, right in the the big dome there. But uh, I saw something that was interesting, and it felt a lot like one night in Miami. Okay, because it was uh, it was called the sit in, and it was about the week Harry Belafonte. Sat in for Johnny Carson. Now, what platform is this on? It's on Peacock. Okay. So I changed my, I got the WWE Network. They gave me a warning and said, hey, this closes. <laughs> you got to go to Peacock. And so I went and for $9.99, you get, you know, they're uploading stuff and they're slowly, slowly, but they have, it's, it's built for me, I think, because they got, they have Fletch, which is one of my favorite movies. They have uh, they have Basketball, which is another fun one that I like. But they also have Saturday Night Live. They have the, the run of that. That's already up there. They have The Office. They have Parks and Rec. If it's an NBC show, chances are that they have it. I don't know how you have you have time. <laughs> you know, me, I'm just sitting around here all day. You guys, you know, I used to be Working. in the office 24-7. 
but uh, it isn't that way at the moment. And uh, uh, you with your, your, it's not a secret. Uh, Ian's got a day job. Yeah. Uh, treats, and then, treats and, me well. And, right? then, and then ROH, not to mention uh, your wife and your two beautiful children. Yeah. So I, I find it <laughs> very tough for you to squeeze anything in. I, I work in the margins. That's what I tell people. If there's an ounce of free time, I just got to keep going. Kind of like AJ with all the projects he's on. If you can, if you can pencil it in, you pencil it in. But I uh, squeezed in this one with my wife. It's when we turned on the app. It was one of the first things that it said. It said uh, Peacock exclusive. And it. What wa- year was it from? Do 60, you know? Sixty-eight. February of sixty-eight. Okay. Yeah. And when you talk about. You know, you talked about Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, uh, the hypothetical, uh, Sam Cooke, uh, Cassius Clay. Well, on this, they had uh, throughout the week and the the premise and this happened in real life and it was a documentary. Um, Johnny Carson said, hey, I want to promote equality. I want to get this message out, but I'm not the right person to do this. There's something going on in America right now. I'm not the right person to communicate what, what the black community might need. I need somebody to sit in for me. I want to do something. And he wasn't that you sure he wasn't on vacation for a week because sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'm not ret- saying Johnny Carson didn't say this, but sometimes retro. he'd be going on vacation. Sure. And Joan Rivers would be the host one right. night and Don Rickles. Right. And I mentioned to AJ because it came up in the Aretha. She was trying as you know who Steve Allen is. Oh, well, yeah, he was, he was a wrestling commentator, but also he was a Tonight Show Tonight guy Shows. as well as Jack Parr. But yeah, I understand. But go ahead. So, yeah. So Harry Belafonte basically did a week of the Tonight Show. Sat in for a week. Um, sadly, only two episodes remain. Sadly, they're not in color. Uh, they were they were shot and you could get it in color, but the remaining footage is not in color. Uh, the episodes that survived, though, were Dr. Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy. That's amazing. Yeah, I would love that. And so they have um, they have, I think, 15 minutes of they have Martin Luther King's whole interview and they have, I think, Bobby Kennedy's whole interview and I think Aretha Franklin's performance. OK, but it's Aretha. Uh, the whole week they had Aretha Franklin and Bobby Kennedy. They had um, they had Paul Newman. <laughs> they had. Uh, a ton of just activists and uh, Buffy St. Marie, okay. the famous uh, native uh, African-American uh, country singer. So, yeah, it was loaded. And Buffy St. Marie still with us. Harry Belafonte still with us. So they had interviews. Um, they had some historic footage of, uh, of some folks talking about uh, about the week. And it was a it was a smash hit. It was just. Well, it's interesting because 68 was a year that Bobby Kennedy was shot. Yeah. Yep. And it was one of the threads that they, they pulled at was Harry Belafonte wanted Bobby Kennedy to announce he was running for president on the show. Okay. And because Harry Belafonte worked closely with Dr. King and Dr. King essentially pulled him, pulled Belafonte in and said, Hey, if you know, we need, we need equality. Dr. King had just launched the poor people's party which was expanded the mission of, you know, beyond African-Americans, they're just poor Americans. Bobby Kennedy went on the tour with Dr. King where he met just poor black folks, poor white folks. He was just going to poor, poor towns and just trying to understand the plight of poor people. And uh, Belafonte kind of was prescient and said, if, essentially, hey, if you're going to do this, do it now. Bobby Kennedy didn't. He waited. 
because LBJ hadn't decided he wasn't going to run again yet. Okay. And he kind of stalled and Hoover and then Bobby Kennedy gets assassinated and, and all that stuff. Or, Crazy times. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, or Humphrey, I'm sorry, Herbert Humphrey. Hubert so, Humphrey. Hubert Humphrey, yep. So, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. They met a guy that recorded it on audio. <laughs> so they only have footage of two of the episodes, but they have audio of three well, it's really good that any of it's, you know, survived. That's very, very interesting and very cool historical stuff. Mm-hmm. Regardless of your age, it's important. It was, what a, what a uh, these years, you know, the, these late 60s, uh, just critical, critical stuff going on. Yeah. So uh, I will have to... Uh, I'm going to get... Pe- the Peacock's not available on the damn Fire Stick. And I looked really? it up online. Okay. Maybe I could get it on my TV apps. Whatever. Yeah. I'll figure it out. It's it's good. If you like the wrestling anyway... Well, I got to get... I have to have the wrestling yeah. at least. And then, I'd rather see that show. They have that. They have a lot of good... They have a Big Bird documentary on the late, oh. on, the, on the man that played Big Bird. Okay. <laughs> which, is, which looks really interesting. It looks way more interesting than you'd think. And then uh, they have Saturday, all the Saturday Night Live episodes. They have a lot of good movies. If it's made by Universal, there's a good chance it's on Peacock now. So it's a, it looks early review is good. It's good service. Yeah, you, before you know it, you're going to have so many apps and so many subscriptions. It's going to cost as much as, as having, cable, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'll figure it out. Um, last week was a was a a very heavy duty episode about a. Don't don't borrow money from the wrong people. Yeah, still still thankful you're here with us after that. Yeah, yeah, it made me think a lot about that era. Um, and then my friend Bo, who is once again, if you refer, refer to our earlier last stop pensations, who I worked with at Yankee Stadium and Shea Stadium, and uh, then was in New Orleans with me. Uh, during the during that '85 Super Bowl, mm-hmm. um, he sent me a picture. Uh, he sent me like four photos oh. from the mid to late '80s. Wow! I had a beard. Really? I was, I was a little heavier, even. Huh. Yeah. And uh, in one of the pictures, it was a rare picture of Freddie the Weeper. Wow! And you know we keep talking about Freddie the Weeper, and. I may repeat a story, but I just want to give the people a picture of, you know, I, I will you I will show that I will post the picture online. Afraid okay. now, first thing about the weeper is he hated anybody taking a picture of him, <laughs> just because not because oh I'm a ticket scalper. He just oh you know <laughs> oh another odd thing about the weeper, he never could sit. In a chair or a couch where he would sit back. Huh. He would always sit like this. So you're at the edge of your seat, leaning forward at about a about a 65 degree angle. <laughs> and I'd be like, Freddie. Like, Just sit back. Right. Um, that was one of his many uh, quirks. Hmm. But uh, he was, you know, he was my... Rabbi, okay. for my, as, as I, we've mentioned, for my tickets, for, to, for my entree to the street. 
And um, Fred, you know, Freddie was, he, he, he was, when he went to do tickets, he would say, I'm going to work. <laughs> but in theory, he really never worked. A day. The only job he was known to have ever had harkened back to his years. Now, I met him when I was working with Bo at Yankee Stadium and Shea, 81, 82, 83, 84. I, I knew I got to know all this. Not, not that I was talking to every scalper, but they were around. But mm -hmm. Freddie was a fixture. Like, and if you would have went to concerts, like I was going to at the Garden in the 70s, you would recognize Freddie. Because mm. back then, there wasn't a ton of guys. And Freddie's, you know, like, like so many people, they just knew Freddie's face. So prior to working with Bo, I remember Freddie from going to, you know, the Garden and going to the wrestling. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I ever dealt with them or talked to them, but when I worked with Bo, uh, it, he, that's when we, you know, over the those early years, you know, he was one of the guys that was a little more polite, mm -hmm. a little nicer, and uh, we we just struck a struck up a rapport. And um, it wasn't until I came back. From, you know, I went to New Orleans and then I came back during like Christmas time leading up to what was going to be the Super Bowl and the guy doing the poster mm -hmm. and uh, having the opportunity to have Bo come down there to treat the souvenirs. And, it, and so in that where I'm going with this, when I came back from New Orleans, December, you know, like late November and December, I was going into the city every day. Hmm. So that's when I started, you know, you know, Freddie would Freddie never wanted to deal with the public. Like if <laughs> if, if if a ticket broker gave him like a, a, a half dozen or a dozen leftover seats for a Knicks or Ranger game, Freddie always wanted to be like, oh, down by the OTB or in uh, you know, hiding in the Blarney Rock. You know, he's always, oh, the heat. He, so prior to me, he would let these other guys, you know, sell his tickets. Thus, he would always be getting shortcaked. Mm. And Freddie was an easy touch. Freddie was a, a much easier touch than a lot of these other guys. So once I got to know Freddie and after I after, you know, coming back from New Orleans and I was even in last week's story with the don't borrow money from the wrong people, I was dealing with Freddie all the time. You know, like when when that whole thing happened, you know, Freddie's like, oh, why'd you do that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he didn't have 2000 to give me. But anyway, um, so when I got to know him, I would ask him, like, you know, how did, like, what did you do, like, before the ticket thing? Mm -hmm. Oh, he would, oh, you know, <laughs> he, uh, I was hanging out in pool halls. I'm like, you know, if, so Fred, let's see. Freddie was maybe 15 years older than me. Okay. And he accredits his downfall 
Well, prior to his downfall, <laughs> he, he fancied himself in legend as a um, an, a uh, a championship bowler huh. and a really? hard golfer. Okay. Did he ever bowl a 300? Did he have any? No. No, <laughs> no he never would make it. But he said, you know, and, and he was very heavy. Yes. So, you know, it's like, you know, picking on Jackie Gleason, like, sure. a yeah. you know, like, like, let me show you how to do that. And all. <laughs> but Freddie's, the only job that he would, ha- that he had, and it was 20 years before I knew him, <laughs> was he claimed to have been a caddy. Oh, okay. You know, and he was a caddy and um, he did have another job mm-hmm. every year. He would, there was like services where, let's say you're, you and your family have a, a winter home in Florida, okay. but you don't want to drive there. Sure. So there were services. So Freddie would drive someone's car. Oh, okay. Not in it. Like there was a company. Sure. You know, and then they would fly down. Or? The people would fly down. So yeah. Freddie would drive this car down mm-hmm. to Florida and he would always stay he was like Northern Miami. He was staying at a quality, fine hotel. The hotel was such fine quality that I remember, like, this had to be after I was, like, working with him, 87, 88. He would go down for a couple of weeks and, uh, oh, call me at 1 o'clock on the payphone. Let me, let, me, <laughs> let me know what's going on, right? So... That were the only two jobs he really had. Wow. And I I would ask him, like, well, how did you get involved with the tickets? Mm -hmm. I don't really think I ever got a clear answer. Yeah. But it it all tied into the track. Oh. You mentioned he he hung out there. He he almost, quote unquote, lived there. He, and he died there. Oh, oh, didn't know that. We, 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 we blew our ending here, but that's okay. Fred, yeah, Freddie, uh, when I asked him about his, his, his infancy in the ticket business, you know, they had the OTBs mm-hmm. in New York. Right. So instead of, he lived in Teaneck, and mm-hmm. he always took care of his mother. His father passed oh. away, uh, I think when he was a teenager, and uh, he took care of his, his, you know, he stayed with his mother, mm-hmm. and uh, he never got married, but there was always this lady. Huh. And he never would say, I know her name was Nancy. Yeah. But he would always call her the woman. <laughs> oh, the woman's asking me for mom. Right? And she lived down the shore. And um, so, so once in a while, Freddie would, ha- I, I drove one time with Freddie to like Wall Township. To, and, the and home of the great Red me, Titus. <laughs> me and Baby Dumpling, she's the <laughs> so yeah so uh but you know so freddie was caring yeah and you know he was codependent to mm-hmm. like like so many of us are <laughs> and uh so i would ask him about this how did she get into this mm-hmm. it was never clear but it was going to the otbs mm-hmm. and being in the city and he was near the garden. Yeah. And there eventually was an OTB right in Penn Station. Okay. And when Freddie started in the early 70s, there was only a small crew of these uh, full-time scalpers. 
We've mentioned most of their names on here. There was Silent Sydney. Mm-hmm. There was Lenny the Mooch. Now, <laughs> Lenny the Mooch would didn't matter if it was 90 degrees in July or it was negative two in the balls cold January. <laughs> he would always have a big coat with a lot of pockets. That's because he could shove tickets. Ah. And right. Um, and... Uh, and then there was another guy, Jake, little Jake. Um, I mean, there was just a handful of guys. So back in like the, in the early 70s, uh, then there was the guy that spun the gate, Tony Pizza. <laughs> um, it was another guy, Jack Balloon. Oh, that's a new one. I yeah. Jack Balloon. But there wasn't a lot of guys. And you'd think, I mean, if you did the math... If I'm 1964 in Washington, D.C., and I see these Beatle tickets are going bananas and they sell out and there's a line around the building to get in. And and I know they're coming to San Francisco or I know they're coming to, you know, I see the news. I'm thinking, well, crap, I should get some of these. I could probably sell them. Well, Freddie got started in the early 70s. Mm -hmm. So he... Learned about digging, mm-hmm. you know, if it was Wings Over America, and he knew these bums from Penn Station. <laughs> he was always surrounded by, he was surrounded, it was, you know, you know, like how in the Peanuts, yeah. Linus is the cloud of dust. Yeah, pig Freddy pen, would yeah. have pig pen, yeah. excuse me. Uh, Freddie would have a cloud of bums because they always knew Freddie was a soft touch, you yeah. know, and guys like Radio John. Guys like The Mummy, mm-hmm. guys like Tommy Indio, guys like Dumplings, they'd always be around Freddie because like eventually Freddie would be like, would say, oh, check the window, see if they released any spring, you know, Springsteen, see if they released any Springsteen or, or U2 or whatever <laughs> was the hot item. Oh, we can see if they released the, Mad- uh, the Madonna. <laughs> you know, once in a while you got lucky. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but these guys, and, and I've said this before, and, and Freddie included, they would go every day to Penn Station to, as if it was their office, to the OTB. Hmm. This way, you know, we're talking pre-internet, mm-hmm. pre-cell phones. Yeah. And some of these guys, like the aforementioned Little Jake, the aforementioned Lenny the Mooch, Silent Sydney, they they were Ranger and Nick season ticket holders. Ah, okay. Sydney, from being around there for so long... He knew some of the guys in the box office, mm-hmm. you know, so if the Stones were playing in like 1970, you know, he, he'd get seats yeah. without digging, mm-hmm. you know, he, and, and so they, they would go every day. So no matter what event or non-events there were, mm-hmm. they were just hanging out. Um, but could you oh, sorry to interrupt? No. Could, could you do business right kind of out in the open? Could yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You'd walk in the OTB. Yeah. Did anybody? anybody no, care? no. And there was another odd thing going on in the OTB. There was a guy named Turk. Okay. Really good guy. Now, this is 
in the 80s and there wasn't a million tracks. Mm -hmm. Let's say they were showing Aqueduct. Okay. (laughs) And maybe there was another track, you know, uh, Gulfstream in Florida. Mm -hmm. Two tracks. Yeah. Wasn't like, you know, you ever go into CNO TV? There's like 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So let's just say it was the third race at Aqueduct. Well, when the OTB would shut the window, mm-hmm. which would be like 90 seconds before the race, no more bets, sure. just like a roulette wheel. Yeah, yeah. Turk would take action. <laughs> These guys would run, give 10 to win on the four horse. Mm. You know, and, and yeah. so it, it was just it was just very odd. But um, Freddie hung out there. He was classic AJ. He was a cigar smoker, right? But he was the kind of guy that would have like one cigar that would last all day. (laughs) (laughs) One cigar that would last all day. And we mentioned this on the uh, poster of the week. Freddie had to drink to drive. Oh, he, I never saw him getting, you know, I, oh my goodness. this is the 80s. Things were different. <laughs> Things were crazy. But, you guys barely had seatbelts in the 80s. Right. Yeah. And, and he would he would always be drinking. And even though he was probably a good 100 pounds overweight, mm-hmm. his classic thing was, hey, hey, like, you know, he knows Ralph needs a couple dollars. Mm-hmm. Hey, Ralph. Oh, you want to split a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> and the mom goes, what are you talking about, Freddie? Just get a whole sandwich. We get a whole sandwich. <laughs> you know, like, every time we want to split it, you know, yeah. Freddie was a big guy. So Freddie would send people for errands, whether it was to the ticket window, whether it was just to go to the store to get a sandwich or to get, get more drinks. Mm-hmm. And he was always on the outskirts. And guys would now, in my era... In this 87, 88, 89, well, it went from that early era I was talking about with five or six guys. Now there was like 50, 70 guys at these events. Yeah. And guys would just bother you. What do you got? What Mm. do you got? You know, they'd come there with no tickets and no money. Oh, geez. And if if they knew you had tickets, uh, they'd want to earn that was the, you know, uh. they'd want to earn like you know, what do you, so this way they could get a customer yeah and, and freddie go would be like oh you can bring the heat here <laughs> yeah. you know so and he was right but um eventually um well carrie the ghost <laughs> of freddie the weeper Oh, Inter- don't bring the heat around. <laughs> Interrupted our recording. Because he was always ducking and dodging. He was, just like this recording. So we're going to pick it back up. We had some uh, audio difficulty there. That's okay. We're going to pick it back up. We're talking about Freddie the Weeper. Right. And I was mentioning about he would, one cigar, it would sort of last him the whole day. Um, and I was mentioning about his... His drink, and he wouldn't just drink while he was driving. He'd be drinking like all day. Oh God! But he he could handle it, and uh, he was a beer man until suddenly they had 
Champagne. Champagne. <laughs> Did you ever hear that? That's champagne beer? Yeah. It was oh, like, it was like with, and, and they had those fruit, like those fruity... Uh, um, wine coolers. Wine cooler. Thank you. Yeah. He transformed to wine coolers. Oh, my goodness. And I'm going to... I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell us a story real quick and get on to the later Freddie's later days, uh, and I know we've told this before, but it's just you just can't do this without mentioning it again. Um, and there's many podcasts that repeat the stories. <laughs> sure. But uh, real quick, it just dawned on me, Freddie used to be so timid when there was an event like the U.S. Open, mm-hmm. which was really good in the '80s, you know. Uh, McEnroe and Joke, uh, Jimmy Connors, right? right. Yeah, and then even in the late '80s, Agassi starts to break right. out '89, and then Sampras and right. And, and, he, you know, there was always money to be made, but there was always, you know, there were the they called them the moral squad. Mm-hmm. Same guys that would arrest people for uh, picking up hookers. Yeah. You know, these low-level crimes, you know, buying drugs. Mm-hmm. But they never would go after the drug dealer. Right. You know, <laughs> easy targets. Yeah. They were the guys that, the more, oh, the moral squad. And there was a nickname for the cops. Like if you were on the street, Freddie would go, Oscar, Oscar. <laughs> and that would mean that there was a cop coming. Yeah. And usually at the garden, when the moral squad came out, it was like the same guys, mm-hmm. same guys at Yankee Stadium, 81 games, yeah. same guys at Shea Stadium. But for some reason at the U.S. Open, he was always scared. And if he would get, if he, you know, so the idea of the U.S. Open, besides to try to, you know, uh, obviously make money, would be early in the, early in the session to try to find somebody who was selling tickets. The big ticket wasn't the finals. Hmm. It was the semifinals. Hmm. Just okay. like with right now with the NCAA. Right. Well, if they had a full crowd, yeah. you get to see the four teams mm-hmm. with one ticket. So with the tennis, you would get to see the last four men's players. Makes sense. And uh, I think Friday was the women's, but it just wasn't as popular. So the hope would be that on a week, the week before the, the last week, some some little old man's going to go, I've got four semifinals. <laughs> so Freddie would station himself so far away in these distant parking lots really? that were almost by like LaGuardia Airport. We have not, we, I would remember this. We have not told this story. <laughs> you know, because, but, and yes, there was parking, but considering the, you know, you needed to be in the flow. You know, yeah. at Shea Stadium, the, where the seven you train is. You get off is, the seven and you get right in. Or into, the Long Island Railroad. Right. That boardwalk. Yeah. That's where the action was. Mm-hmm. But, you know, oh, Freddie did not want to get busted. <laughs> so once in a while, he'd get lucky. He's only getting like 1% of the traffic. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there would be no competition. And uh, that's the way he operated, which brings me to the story, which I believe we told earlier on Last Stop Penn Station. But if this doesn't wrap up Freddie in a nutshell, nothing does. There it was. It was the 88 
or 89, were the Mets in the World Mets, of course, were in the World Series in 86. 86. 89, they were in the playoffs. Well, it was the 89 playoffs. Yeah. And Freddie had some tickets that a broker had that he was, you know, he didn't, you know, the, the, it was easy to sell tickets. Guy, whatever, he had an extra four or six tickets. And maybe we had picked up a couple. And and we're out at Shea Stadium. It's the old Shea Stadium. And Freddie's... I'm sorry, it's 88. I, 88, so thank sorry, you. 88, yeah. And Freddie's in the car. And and I'm like, well... He's like, oh... It, it, was, it was a night game. And it's like 6.30. And it's buzzing. Mm-hmm. And he's... And it's so... He was so nervous. He didn't even, and he didn't want me to get in trouble either. I'm like, look, we got to sell these tickets. <laughs> you know, we're going to get some good money. Maybe and they're you playing know, the Dodgers too. Right? He, maybe yeah. going to get for uh, some some shitty field boxes down the line. Not shitty, but some field boxes that are near the foul pole. Mm-hmm. You get on the street, 150 apiece. That's wow. big money. Yeah. You know, uh, what is it? 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so we're in the car, and. Freddie suddenly realized he had run out of alcohol. Uh-oh. And now, if you're at Yankee Stadium, you're in the neighborhood. Yeah. You just run around right right, right to that next well, block. 61st, yeah. Right. Yeah. You just go into one of those bodegas, mm-hmm. grab, grab a six-pack or whatever. Well, at Shea, you either had to go to one stop to Flushing. Mm-hmm. Or I believe it was like 168th Street. That's in the if you've never been to Shea or City Field, it's in the middle of nowhere, more or less. So Freddie says to me, "Oh, can you run to the store? My nerves are shot." <laughs> and this is when he was drinking this pink passion wine. <laughs> oh, get me a six pack of the pink passion. He goes, oh, hurry, hurry up. I go, well, why don't you drive me to the store? He goes, I, he didn't want to drive me because he maybe one of the other scalpers that he entrusted w- would have a sale. So I took the train mm-hmm. one stop. Okay. I didn't go to Flushing. I went the other way. Gotcha. And I knew right off there there was a there was like two bodegas on the corner. Mm-hmm. I go to the I go into the uh to where the uh, the beers and the milks and the sodas were, and I'm looking for the pink passion. And <laughs> they they didn't have the six pack, but they had the 84 ounce jumbo. <laughs> <laughs> not 64 ounce, the 84. Holy so I'm crap. thinking in my head. Let's see, six <laughs> times 12 is 72. Oh shit! He's getting an extra twelve ounces here. The bonus. Right. So I get the I you know so I get the the, the the big jug, and now I take the train back, and you know Freddie you know Freddie's like I gotta he he didn't want to just sit still. Um, he was always like as if, as if these police were like pinning on him. <laughs> so I find him. And I run up. He's like, oh, why did you take so long? I'm like, I, I'm just the first two trains that came. I go here. And he grabs this jug. And he was expecting a six-pack. And he goes, oh. And he's unscrewing the top. <laughs> and I figured he'd be happy. And as he takes it... 
two hands. I had to do it with two hands. <laughs> this is something that was meant to be poured into a cup. <laughs> sure. It wasn't even like a quart of beer. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and he takes his, his giant jug and he's like, glug, 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 glug. Why did you get me this big thing? <laughs> glug, 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 glug. <laughs> that was Freddie. Uh-huh. And, you know, coming out of that period of time, I cleaned up my act. I wound up and we'll be getting back into this eventually with the podcast. I wound up, you know, moving out here. Mm-hmm. Freddie was integral in the early years, you know, when I was working with Bill at Union, Bully's friend. Freddie would bring in some tickets. Then I was working with Farrell out here. Freddie had the connection with the old man at the Meadowlands. He had our other friend that had the t-shirt shop that had the ticket master. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he'd been around. He was also, he was always trying to win over favor at that Prozies. Oh, right. The one with the program (laughs) killed it. He's like, oh, old man Prozies. Oh, I know I can get in a deal with me. (laughs) uh, he He always tried. And uh, if, if anything, he would sell things too cheap. You know, he would he would never instead of trying to, you know, uh, get top dollar, uh, you know, he taught me like like we were divvying up the money after you know, it was like a Rangers Bruins game on like a Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And he had like a dozen tickets from brokers. And I go, you know, we sold them for, let's just say, an average of thirty five each. And 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 Freddie's. I said, well, because I'm, I'm I'm, this is the heart of my addiction. I'm like, well, what are we gonna split? He's like, well, you got to give the broker back the right money, or he won't give you the tickets. You know, like he knew not to say, oh, yeah. ten each. You know, yeah. He gave you know, let's say the tickets were fifteen dollars to Saturday night, Saturday afternoon game against the Bruins. He gave him back twenty bucks a piece, mm-hmm. whatever. He he knew to do the right thing. So Freddie was integral. With with Bill, with Farrell, and then when I opened Rave Review, uh, he was you know loyal. Uh, I you know so it, it it was funny. It went to a reverse because in the in the end, when I was doing full time brokering uh, in the early and mid two thousands, I would send my extra tickets to him. Oh wow! You know. And uh, get get back bottom dollar. <laughs> but you know when you put tickets on the street, it, it was it wasn't because he was trying to fleece me. Yeah, it wouldn't matter. He would always complain like, "Oh, why are you giving me these?" You know, like let's say it was uh, who who was a hot basketball team in the mid early two thousands. Uh, the Cavaliers with LeBron right. James. Right, oh, fine. Yep. Knicks against Cavs. Even if the Knicks were were, were stinking, sure the Cavs were a hot ticket. <laughs> it's a Tuesday night, you know. He, he just didn't like the street, but uh, he was a kind man. And uh, I got a phone call in uh, God, it's got to be like seven or eight years now. Uh, this guy named Tomato, mm. another classic character we'll get into. But uh, in later years, Freddie's mother passed away. And after she passed away, he was, even though he never worked a day in his life, he used to always get a tax return. <laughs> How do you do that? Did he declare From his- your losses at the horses. 
Oh my goodness. Yes. Wow. And he paved into he paid so at 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 the end of his life, he got into some senior you know, some seniors kind of housing. Yeah. He got some kind of check, not what he was supposed to. Wow. But some kind of social security. <laughs> um and he would go to the Meadowlands every day and tomato, you know, he would still be involved in the tickets, but only when someone would give him tickets. He didn't mm-hmm. do any more digging, maybe if it was convenient. Mm-hmm. And I got a phone call from Tomato, uh, Mike, who was friends with Freddie and sort of looked after him. You know, Freddie was now close to 70 and he was just like, Carrie, uh, Tar- I don't even want to tell you this. You know, Freddie, they found Freddie. He, he died on a freezing, he had an asthma problem. No. And leaving the Meadowlands racetrack and on a cold, you know how cold it is out at the, oh my, yeah. you ever go to a football game there? I did, in, in 2008. Smokes. Yeah. It was, the temperature was 30. Two, but the wind chill was it feel, 14 right. It feels or like 15. it's negative two. Yeah, yeah. The wind used to whip around. Yeah, yeah, and 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 Freddie passed out, and before and before anyone, uh, by the time anyone got to him, uh, he was gone, and uh, he was just you know he was very 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 important to me. Uh, you know, he protected me on the on the street with all these knuckleheads. He helped me. And I think he was, he, you know, he used to come to Ring of Honor. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know Yeah, this. you know, like the old guard, you know, Sid knew him. Wow. And uh, he was proud, you know, he was proud of me. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when I talked to Bo or I talked, Dustin, Dustin knew him well. Wow. And uh, talk about a character. Yeah. And all these characters. Um but uh, yeah, I just wanted to give a little uh, a little picture of Freddie, and I'll put up a literal picture, a rare <laughs> literal picture of him. Um, so we we can honor we can honor him. Yeah, and uh, we're taking a break from last stop Penn Station. Uh, our producer AJ is going on a well deserved vacation, um, so we might be. I think we're going to miss one week. Yeah, we're going to miss one week. Okay. So everybody who enjoys listening to these crazy stories, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll be back at you uh, in two, you know, this drops on Friday. So we'll be missing one Friday, but we'll be, we'll be back at you. But uh, any questions about Freddie? Jeez, I think you've, you've answered a lot of them. It's, uh, it's amazing to hear amazing to hear <laughs> hear more about him and he he sounds like he wasn't in the right line of work it sounds you know he just he had too big of a heart <laughs> for, he did yeah absolutely too, too big of a heart to be super successful which i feel like might have helped him get out of the track he might have just spent it at the track or might have just helped his mom or might have done something it's another thing yeah the way he would well he didn't always do this he was a scratch better you know what that oh. means oh it, not rub offs. You bet no, no, no. Uh, but, horse. But, okay. You bet favorites. Interesting. But he would bet like 
he would rather bet two hundred dollars mm-hmm. on a horse that was like the you know the 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 best horse in the race mm-hmm. like the odds were like 1 to 2 so you don't and the second 100. horse is 4 to 1 and then yeah. it's 5 to 1 8 to 1 right he'd rather bet 200 to show wow for third yeah the only way the horse is not going to come in third is if the jockey falls off <laughs> or the horse has a heart attack oh. <laughs> and I, I remember one time there was a Kentucky dirt. Was it? A, it was one of those big races at Belmont. Yeah. And he bet seven hundred dollars to show. Mm. On the, I got and and it, you know what the payout was like seven twenty. <laughs> oh. I'm like, what well, you know? And, and the, the name of this episode, uh, Eric, who helps me with these notes, is you know Freddie's moniker, and you know his moniker. Oh, why did I get involved? <laughs> So yeah, good. To, I love you, Freddie. You'll always be remembered here. Oh, what a what a fitting tribute to what sounds like an amazingly nice man. That was well, one last thing. Yeah, <laughs> his last name was. It's not the Weeper. <laughs> no. He didn't want anyone to know his last name. Okay, his, his last name was Yobbs. Y O B B S. Wow. So when I started doing well. And, you know, I found out like most ticket brokers and other businesses do, you could get American Express cards for your employees. Mm-hmm. You could say the name is, you know, Willie Maboop. Yeah. <laughs> you get one, They'd yeah. Like, right. So I, I, I it was like a rib. <laughs> I, I, I gave him a card. He finally, because in case he needed it for tickets. Yeah. You know. And I call him Fred Fobbs. <laughs> F-O-B-B-S. And he he was like, oh, why'd you put Fobbs? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, thank you, Carrie, for sharing that. You're welcome. I learned a lot about Freddie the Weeper. I had had the questions and they've been they've been resolved okay. at this point. But I have some more questions for you and I'll save them. Yeah, when we get back to the Lehigh Valley, you still we're still going to Disney World at some point, right? Yes, we are. All right, that sounds good to me. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting my next shot tomorrow. Yes, congratulations! Yeah, thank you. That makes all three of us fully vaccinated. And now you don't have to schlep up to the cold country. Yeah, the the Lehigh Valley Hospital did a nice thing. They scheduled me at a time that doesn't exist anymore, and they called me to ask if I'd like to come in an hour after that. I was scheduled for seven in the morning. They said, "Hey, can you come in at eight? Uh, I said, yeah. And they said, oh, we see you're in Allentown. Would you like to come to Cedar Crest? Amazing. Yeah. Some very nice people there and uh, helping me out, getting my second shot. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, just say. Did Sarah get it? Yeah. So that's that's both of us and our family. My my parents got their first doses. Beautiful. Uh, parents-in-law got their second. So hopefully we'll all make it through this uh, without too much damage here. So fingers Excellent. are crossed. And uh Looking forward to it. But looking forward to two weeks from now when we'll all get back together. Yeah, again. please subscribe to Last Stop Penn Station. Get a shirt off Pro Wrestling Tees. Subscribe to uh, the, 50, the 55 and 5 on Ian's YouTube channel or mm-hmm. on or on both and on the ad-free shows. That's right. And uh, we enjoy bringing these to you. Yeah, thank you, Eric. Thank you, AJ. Thank you, Carrie. And thank you for listening. It's been another edition of Last Stop Penn Station.
for listening to Last Stop Penn Station podcast. Rate, review, like, subscribe, and share on your favorite platform. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or at laststoppennstation.com.